Section 55 of Angels of the Battlefield. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. Section 55. Appendix 19. The Faith and the Flag. While the work of the zealous Catholic sisterhoods on the battlefield and in the camp and hospital was for humanity in its broadest sense, the effect of their example and the beauty of their daily lives also had the effect of clearing away the mists of prejudice that sometimes distorted and clouded the views of honorable, well-meaning and worthy non-Catholics. The writer has endeavored to present the history of the labors of the sisters in a straightforward and dispassionate manner. He has dealt exclusively in facts, and has, as far as possible, avoided comment. It has especially been his aim to keep entirely clear of sectional disputes or religious controversies. Hence it will be found that the story of the work of the sisters has reference, in main, to their devotion to suffering humanity. It was inevitable, however, that men living in the atmosphere of sanctity created by these good women should feel the consoling benefit of their silent influence. The result was that non-Catholics began to take a broader and more kindly view of their Catholic comrades and fellow citizens. And long before the war closed, they realized that the faith and the flag were entirely compatible. A few years ago, William J. Onahan of Chicago, in an address, incidentally touched upon this very point, speaking of those who were distrustful of the church and its teachings, he said, quote, If they could realize the harmony and benevolent influence of her teaching, the number of souls redeemed through her efforts and graces from despair and sin, the wounded hearts solaced by her balm, the extent of human misery she has removed or mitigated, let them but think how that church has consecrated the marriage tie, sanctified the home, shielded the unfortunate, lifted up the lowly and sorrow-stricken, staying the arm of the oppressor, pleading for the rights of the poor against the power of the tyrant and the greed of the capital. Witness the asylums and the refuges the Catholic Church has established all over the world for every condition of infirmity and suffering, for the orphans, the foundlings, the sick, the aged, the wayward, and the fallen. See the admirable sisterhoods, to which no parallel can be found on earth, the Sisters of Charity and Mercy, the Poor Handmaids of Jesus Christ, the Sisters of St. Joseph, the Nuns of the Good Shepherd, the Little Sisters of the Poor, and countless others varying in the admirable diversity of their charitable labors watch these sisters at their appointed duties in the hospitals and asylums in the hovels of the poor by the bedside of the dying ay in pest houses and smallpox hospitals as well as on the battlefield ministering to the dying soldier all bent on doing god's work for god's sake Assuredly, these facts, these daily examples here before our eyes, within reach of our feet in daily walk, assuredly, these ought to serve toward dispelling the false glare of prejudice. As a preliminary, let me say I adopt 
without reserve or qualification the language of the baltimore catholic congress we rejoice at the marvelous development of our country and regard with just pride the part taken by catholics in such development in the words of the pastoral issued by the archbishops of the united states assembled in the third plenary council of baltimore we claim to be acquainted both with the laws institutions and spirit of our country and we emphatically declare that there is no antagonism between them we repudiate with equal earnestness the assertion that we need to lay aside any of our devotedness to our church to be true americans and the insinuations that we need abate any of our love for our country's principles to be faithful catholics we believe that our country's heroes were the instruments of the god of nations in establishing this home of freedom to both the almighty and to his instruments in the work we look with grateful reverence and to maintain the inheritance of freedom which they have left us should it ever which god forbid be imperiled our catholic citizens will be bound to stand forward as one man ready to pledge anew their lives their fortunes and their sacred honor before turning to the question of the rights and duties let me first define what i understand by the term catholic citizen an american citizen whether by birth or adoption who having had the grace of christian baptism believes and practices the teachings of the catholic church in other words a practical catholic now we come to the question of rights and duties what are our rights as citizens no more no less precisely than those possessed by any other american citizen what are the rights we in common have with others in general terms we have the right of enjoying and defending life and liberty of acquiring possessing and protecting property and reputation and of pursuing our own happiness we hold in the language of the constitution of illinois that all men have a natural and indefeasible right to worship almighty god according to the dictates of their own consciences that no man can of right be compelled to attend erect or support any place of worship or to maintain any ministry against his consent that no human authority can in any case whatever control or interfere with the rights of conscience we have a right to be protected in our persons and property we cannot be deprived of either without due process of law the right to free elections to trial by jury to equality before the law but i need not enter into detail of the bill of rights which specifies the catalogue of free man's inheritance the highest and most precious right however is that of religious freedom liberty to worship god without let or hindrance and free from religious disabilities of any kind and next to their own rights as free men to exercise it as shall best promote the welfare of the city state and nation catholics then are entitled to absolute equality before the law and this is according to the letter and spirit of the constitution of the united states as well as of the several states now i believe without exception there is nevertheless an unwritten law which operates as a practical discrimination against catholics in public life 
as effectually as though it were so expressed in the constitution it is the law of public opinion deriving its force and effect from popular prejudice it is a well-known fact that neither of the great political parties would dare to nominate a catholic for the presidency and the same is true as to the office of governor in the different states surely it would not be claimed that no american catholic could be found qualified by position and ability for any of these high offices eternal vigilance it has been said is the price of liberty probably if catholics were alert in asserting their rights in a just and lawful as well as in a reasonable manner there would be less disposition shown to infringe upon these rights and to ignore their claim to representation again the government whether national or state has no just claim or authority to deny the rights of conscience to catholics whether they be employed in the service of the nation in the army or naval forces in penal or reformatory institutions in asylums or elsewhere the state may lawfully and justly deprive a man of his liberty and place him behind prison bars but it has no right to compel him while there to attend a form of religious worship in which he does not believe it should not deny or hamper the attendance and ministrations of priest or elder whose services are sought by the prisoner or state's own ward justice and sound policy alike demonstrate the wisdom of invoking the services of the catholic missionary for catholics whether in jail or asylum or on the frontier general grant testified that father de smet's presence among the indians was of greater value to the government than a regiment of cavalry and recent events on our northern borders intensify the force of this conclusion the catholic missionary is always a peacemaker catholics ask nothing in the way of privileges we have no claim to privileges we only ask what we are willing to concede to others equality and fair play if others are content to minimize religious principles or to abdicate them entirely we must be excused if we insist on holding fast to ours we are on firm ground in that respect we do not care to follow others into the slough of despond we are persuaded that every vexed question occupying and disturbing the public attention dividing and distracting the people can be amicably adjusted provided the wise men of the nation and the states will take these questions out of the hands of fanatics and bigots who are only too eager and anxious to inaugurate a reign of discord and religious strife catholics be assured will have no part in this warfare beyond protecting and defending their rights god-given and constitutional rights they would be unworthy of american citizenship were they to be content with less we come now to the question of the duties of catholics as citizens let it be understood that in undertaking to answer this as well as the previous question under consideration i speak for myself only as a catholic layman i express my own thoughts and convictions unreservedly what are the duties referred to first and primarily i should say to be american in all that the term broadly implies 
How do I define the term American? It stands in my mind for liberty, order, education, and opportunities. It is the duty of the Catholic citizen to love liberty for its own sake, order for the general good, and to illustrate the highest type of model of civic virtue. It is a duty to foster and nourish the purity of home life and the domestic virtues, eagerly to promote education and to make every necessary sacrifice for it, and to see to it that Catholic children shall have the benefit of a sound Christian education. Catholics should avail themselves of the material opportunities and advantages afforded in this wonderful age and country, and strive to be in the front ranks in the march of progress. The field is wide and inviting. The race is open to all. The privilege of American citizenship should be regarded as precious and priceless. Because, so easily acquired, perhaps, it is not sufficiently estimated at its true value and worth. Think what American citizenship confers. See what it assures. Equal part and membership in this mighty empire? the equal advantage in its unsurpassed opportunities, the unqualified privileges of its unequaled freedom, no standing armies here to be moved at a monarch's caprice, weighing down and depressing the nation's energies, draining it of its lifeblood, sapping its vitality, and, worst evil of all, menacing the peace of the world, no armed constabulary, to terrorize over a peasant population and enforce the heartless edict of brutal landlords, no hereditary or favored classes, no obstacle to the unfettered enjoyment of those rights which we possess from God in the natural law, and that are guaranteed to us in the Constitution and laws of the land, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What a future opens before us! What possibilities for ourselves and for our children? Justly are the American people jealous of this inheritance. It must be guarded with vigilant care, lest unworthy hands and evil guidance should put it in peril. American liberty and the opportunities of American life are too precious to the human family to permit the one and the other to be wrecked were endangered. I rejoice in every indication of patriotic public spirit, whether shown in devotion and respect for the country's flag or in reverence and admiration for the nation's heroes. We need all these demonstrations to keep alive, in this material age, the ardor and purity of true patriotism. True American patriotism is the inheritance and monopoly of no one class or condition. Its title is not derived from accident of birth or color, is not to be determined by locality. Montgomery, Pulaski, Steuben, DeKalb, Rochambeau, the Moylans, and Sullivans fought for American liberty in the revolutionary days with the ardor and a fidelity at least equal to that displayed by those native and to the manner born. Jackson was none the less a typical American because of the accident of his father's foreign birth, or as is sometimes intimated, of his own. And who shall question the patriotic devotion of General Shields, honorably identified with the early history of your own state, 
of meagre of mulligan of sheridan of meade and countless others i might name apprehension is sometimes expressed at the growth of foreign influence and the display of foreign customs but this fear is after all puerile under our system of government the foreigner who comes to stay is soon assimilated and while there may be here and there instances and examples the outgrowth of foreign habits and customs not welcome to american notions yet these can be only passing and temporary accidents the foreigner i insist is all right provided he is loyal to american laws and government we have no use for any other Unquote. end of section fifty five